0: Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Boys State and I am happy to be joined for the first time in about a year by my friend John Police. John, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Josh.
0: Yeah, so Boy State is the newest documentary from filmmakers Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain. It won the U.S. Documentary Competition Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Festival this past January and was bought by Apple TV+, and it's distributed by A24 in like a kind of a joint agreement with the two. Uh, It follows the 2008 Texas Boy State Conference. Uh, Boy State is a leadership program put on by the American Legion in which over 1,000 17-year-olds are brought to one location – randomly divided into two groups, told to form political parties where they have to find their own platforms, elect their own leadership, choose candidates to run for office against the other party for the position of governor, amongst other things. But this movie focuses on the race for governor. And the program has been around since 1935. It has notable alums such as Cory Booker, Bill Clinton, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito, Dick Cheney, Rush Limbaugh, Michael Jordan was a weird one I found when I was researching this. And our esteemed guest, John Boyce, was is, is also a Boy State alum. So it worked out really well that John could do this with us. And uh, the movie kind of really takes you inside behind the scenes of what this whole entire conference is like, and they got a lot of access to a lot of the different kids, and uh, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a really interesting look at a really interesting event. And, John, we'll talk about your history with the program and what your experience was like, but I, I first want to start and talk about this movie a little more specifically And that one of the things that I was struck by as I was watching it was that there were times where I forgot that it was a documentary, and it felt, and, and in certain ways, it, it almost felt like it was a script because these characters, they fell into these... For the most part, because the movie eventually focuses on kind of four of the kids that we'll talk about, but they almost fell into their own kind of archetypes that I felt like, wow, if you were like writing a movie from scratch about two political parties and you needed to have people fit roles, like these guys were like movie characters almost that fit certain roles, like really distinctly, that really felt like they were reflective of a, a lot of what we go through in politics today. So, my question to you, as someone that had gone through the program, were you surprised as you watched it that, like, these figures developed in the way that they did and the storylines developed in the way they did where a lot of this stuff felt like it was ripped from the headlines when that's not the case. This is a legitimate documentary. And were you struck by that?
1: Uh, Yes, I would say very much so. I think part of what Boys State is about is just a lot of 17-year-olds put in an isolated society for a week and kind of the idea of simulating all of government. But as you said, they're divided into two parties, the nationalists and the federalists. And that's consistent across every state. That's what we did in Virginia. And by doing that, it's a completely arbitrary division. So Mm -hmm. what I was struck by was actually how political and policy focused a lot of what this documentary shows is. And that is very different from my experience. And I think the documentary does some interesting things in showing other parts of Boy's State that kind of contrast this very intense gubernatorial race with a little more of the silliness of what's happening in the legislature, where they're banning cargo pants and pineapple pizza, et cetera. So I was very struck by that. I was also struck by how well the two parties divided in terms of politics and in terms of approach to a very conservative boys' state like culture. Because the way boys' state is set up is it's through the American Legion. Um, you kind of have to have an interest in in state government, and it simulates all parts of that. But it naturally skews relatively conservative in terms of the people that are attracted to it, in terms of kind of the people who know about it. So it was very interesting to me the way you had some people who were much more like diehard, very conservative personally, and then people who are more liberal and how they tried to approach this simulated society in terms of incorporating those.
0: Well, I was going to ask because I, I, as I was watching, I'm thinking, well, this takes place in Texas of course, like all these seventeen year old white kids are going to be like really conservative, and we might get a much very a, a much different demographic ideological breakdown. If we were following, say Virginia boy state instead, which is for lack of a better term, it's been a swing state since around the time that like you would have done it 10 years ago. Cause you know, Virginia way back when was a red state, but it, not necessarily since 2008. So, uh, but you're shaking your head as you say that. So even in states that aren't, and I mean, I guess Texas is hopefully on its way to becoming a purple state, but the fact is like, I mean, all, if you just take mostly white kids from Texas, like you're unsurprisingly going to get a pretty conservative bent, but uh, it seems like from what I can tell from talking to you that like, that might not even really be the case even if you go to a more ideologically diverse state like virginia
1: yeah i so for some details that i think give you an idea of how virginia boys state at least was is that it was at liberty university which is like very Falwell's <laughs> university yes. um so that was where it was hosted there were bible quotes in the cafeteria to give you an idea um it's very conservative in a lot of ways like you have to stand for the pledge of allegiance there's a lot of specific things that are just very it's very culturally conservative i was very curious about how texas does this because so The opening sequence of the documentary is kind of these little interviews where you're coming in and you've got people in their ROTC uniforms and asking you, like, what the flag means to you. And that was not how Virginia did it. So Virginia – all our like, my high school counselor emailed the entire junior class being like, are you interested in this? Write a little essay about what you get out of it. And so I wrote mine about, like, not knowing what Virginia state government was like and being really interested in that as someone who kind of more followed, like, national politics. And I guess that was enough to get me in. But it wasn't – this like weird interview process that was like, what does the flag mean to you? And how do you feel? Well, you mentioned, you mentioned this. I got to say
0: my, one of my favorite quotes from the movie, from those interviews. And you mentioned how some of them are in military uniforms, but my favorite kind of quote was when they were talking to one of the kids and he said, we're like a military family kind of, although we're, we aren't in the military, (laughs) which I mean, I was like, Oh, I I just, I just started cracking up and that was three minutes into the movie. I'm like, Oh, it's these kind of kids we're going to be following. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. And I do think there's a bit of that. I also think there's just a bit of who is going to be most, like, who does the skew most toward? Because like as you say about Virginia, it it, this is 2010 when I went. So yes, it was a decade ago. Oh, we voted for Obama, but like every state government official was Republican, like the entire legislature. So part of Boise State, they don't. Yeah, the legislature
0: just went just went Democrat in 2018 there for the first time in yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's yeah. So there's aspects like that where. Part of Boise State that they didn't even talk about here is like we had the governor, the lieutenant governor, the attorney general, all those people come and like speak to you. You had state legislature people. The moot court has like the chief of justice of the state Supreme Court will come and like do the final rounds. There's a lot of like those aspects. And I think one part that we should talk about just up front is the fact that they focus in a very narrow slice of what Boise State is. And they gave us little pieces of it throughout. Like there's a band. There is an entire legislature. There are so there's many pieces. sports there's going
0: things- on at one point, I think. Right.
1: I don't remember that. I I I thought I I saw them like on a basketball
0: court, at least in the movie.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't remember that being part of my boy's state, but it was also a decade ago when I was not the sportiest seventeen year old. So I will just say (laughs) I'll plead the fifth on that part. But there's just a lot of different aspects. Like you elect a city a city mayor, you elect like a sheriff. Like there's just there's a huge aspect of different things you can do in this. And so what they focused on here at the gubernatorial election is an arc that follows the entire process. But Texas has a very intense version of that that i think was worth talking about but also the way the documentary goes it kind of focuses on a very few small number of people you said four i think four or five is fair depending on how you think of eddie is if he's actually a character in this but he's a puppet um, (laughs) i would agree um but just kind of the way the documentary is structured it's not a median experience they're showing it's a very narrow set of people and it's a very narrow kind of arc but i thought it was very interesting focusing on these two people and kind of how they go through this week of Boy state.
0: Right. Let me, well, actually then let me just ask you, uh, you kind of described some of the other things that came in, uh, that we didn't see in this, in this documentary, as far as aspects of the conference itself. Uh, just so we have a little context before we dive into a lot of the interpersonal go- happenings, uh, from this documentary between all of these characters who we'll go through in a minute. Can you explain what your boy state experience was like?
1: Yeah. So, um, I was I was in the Federalist Party, and I was actually elected state party chairman. So what Ben and Renee did in this documentary is was my job. Um, how many
0: people did you run against? Several. Not bad. Um, okay.
1: I don't remember it being—this is the problem with a decade ago and how intense Boy State is, because it's seven days, and you're basically up from, like, 8 a.m. to, like, 11 p.m. every night mm. um, just running, but— I, my memory is that it was several. I don't remember the, the the party conventions being as large as these ones, but I did look back and there were 800 people at Virginia Boys State. So okay. I guess it was very close to that. Um, but Virginia was less intense than this Texas version is. There weren't any of these petitions. So in the Boys State documentary, they have a the opening kind of section of the movie of the documentary is that they have these petitions they have to get signed they have to get 30 people to sign them so they can get on the ballot in the primaries and then there's a like whole primary election then they go to a runoff and there's a second round when we did it it was kind of an, an in the room runoff so basically everyone would vote on paper those would get counted and then the lowest candidate would drop out and it was kind of a a, a repetitive thing until the end. So I actually remember that I was behind until the, the final two and managed to come from behind and beat out. I don't remember who he was, but whatever kid was leading for the first few rounds of this election. Hmm. But, but yeah, so it's, it was very interesting to me to watch this because I don't think I had a very similar experience to these kids at all. Um, I think I'll just say my experience with the boys state was, I found boys state to be actually quite, a little bit of a nihilistic experience of what party politics are because when you eliminate kind of the policy aspects, whereas in this documentary, there was a lot of like, we're going to advocate for this, or how do we do this, or whether you were conservative and trying to push certain things, we'll talk about some of the candidates who were liberal and how they adjusted their views, right? Uh, or even just avoiding those altogether. I remember it being what we saw in the documentary, the state legislature of like a lot more silly things, a lot more X, Y, or Z, and kind of just turning those into a party platform. So I don't remember it being anywhere near as intense as this was, but I also think that reflects a little bit on how individual engagement in politics has changed in the last decade. Um, did, did I think you, it's did very. You,
0: did you get impeached for shutting down the idea of succession?
1: I did not. However, I do. I. I. I have never more viscerally identified with someone than Renee standing up at the front and just sighing while people talk. Because I do remember having. They gave me a little clip-on microphone to put on my lapel, and I just remember being like, "Guys, we have to continue. I have to. We have to, things to do because you have a lot of like. You have to do a lot of elections and a lot of speeches and stuff like that. So it's a lot more of a moderator position the way I remember it, but.
0: Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I, I God, that just sounds miserable. Like just having to stand up there and corral a bunch of seventeen-year-olds to like do even one thing. Like, I mean, I I I, I, I when I was in high school, it was already enough of a pain to like get my twelve-person fantasy football league in person. That was all drafting in person on to like do a draft in less than five hours. I can only imagine uh, having to corral everyone at Boise State. Uh, but you you mentioned how a lot of these guys that like ended up in the leadership positions had to maybe I don't know like be a little flexible with their politics or be pretty smart and shrewd. With with how they actually revealed what their beliefs were at different times so i think now would be a good time to kind of actually mention some of the characters that uh become big parts of this movie and uh our, kind of our first two main point of entry characters are uh, uh some guys named ben feinstein and uh, and uh stephen garza ben is a bilateral leg amputee who also has a Uh, an issue with one of his arms and he also has a uh, Ronald Reagan bobblehead that he likes to show off to his friends and he is I mean he's clearly very very intelligent ends up trying to be governor that's his goal the filmmakers found him because the filmmakers like they they were working in concert with the legion and they got to interview a lot of these characters beforehand and and Ben was one of the people they happened to talk to and uh he's clearly very intelligent decided he wanted to run for governor and realized like hey, I'm not maybe clicking in this role as well as I should if I don't have the gravitas to get all the signatures I even need in the first place. Maybe I can make a difference at being party chairman. And he goes and does that. Uh, Steven Garza is a proud progressive, and as we already discussed, Boys State is not exactly the most uh, progressive group of people, uh, or the, the attendees are not the most progressive group on the whole. Steven boldly wears his better for Texas shirt, boldly, onto the bus on his first day. But then kind of pivots when he gives his speeches cause he runs for governor and doesn't really go all in on a lot of his political views necessarily. And it, though they come up later in the movie, uh, there's also Renee Otero who ends up running for party chair. He is, a uh, an African-American kid from Chicago originally who ended up moving down to the, to Texas and became a part of it. And he, he wins the party chair position for the nationalist, but is also, like we already referenced, they try to impeach him. And lastly, who I think I I find to be the most fascinating character in this movie, a kid by the name of Robert McDougal, who, if you ask me, I'm not I don't need to play the game about who these kids could be if you want to make comps to politicians. But I think it's a I could see Robert in 20 years. Going from anywhere from a George Bush Marco Rubio hybrid to a Joe Biden Beto O'Rourke hybrid, and it just depends on if someone sets him on the right path. And I don't think that's an exaggeration, because he is clearly not as smart as the other three, but he has enough self awareness to know like what a politician needs to do to survive. And it's like probably one of the more darker sequences in the movie comes when you hear him talking about an hour the way through as to like what he's having to do with his political views. And I don't know. Were you most taken aback by any of these characters? John, I guess is where I'll start. Did you have any strong reactions to any of them? Because I, I had strong reactions to a lot of them, but like I just found myself most fascinated by Robert.
1: Um, I think all of them are quite fascinating. I think what's really interesting is the way over the course of the documentary, and I think it's worth focusing on the nationalists to begin with, so Stephen and Robert mm-hmm. and Renee, but... I think it's very interesting the way they all kind of compromise, either in terms of their ambitions, in terms of the way they want to run, in terms of the policies they want to advocate for. Because Stephen, yes, the, is the closest to a POV candidate we have, like um, character in the documentary, mm-hmm. in that you start off, he's knocking on doors for uh, Laura Mosher, Moser, uh, congressional candidate. Um, you have the Beto shirt. He's talking about March for Our Lives Texas. So
0: you said, start said off, Bernie was what got him interested in politics in 2016.
1: So not exactly um, the—Steven's also uh, Hispanic, which I think is worth mentioning, but it's not exactly the median Boys State character. And so you have him going in, and he wants to run for governor, and you kind of have an interesting parallel when you start between Stephen. Who doesn't want people to just sign his paper because they're friends with him? He wants people who actually quote unquote believe in him. And then you have Ben on the other hand, who's kind of lecturing people early on on like, isn't it a little early to be running for governor? What do you even stand for? Like, and the irony of this is nothing stands for anything. Like these parties are artificial, like, we don't <laughs> have anything. But as you go through, it's very interesting to see both Stephen and Ben, and I think Renee and Robert, we can talk about it in a second, but Ben's definition of compromising is saying, okay, I'm not having success with governor. What if I run for party chairman? What if that's somewhere I can succeed instead? Um, and I, they don't really talk about the documentary. I assume it didn't require the same number of signatures, so it was a little bit easier to run for. Um, but Ben makes that compromise, whereas Stephen tends to move away from any of his like more liberal political positions. A lot of his early speeches are a lot more on bipartisanship. His initial speech for governor that gets him into the runoff is anti-secession, but he runs he runs to get anti-secession on it being like offensive to the veterans in the state, which is mm-hmm. a very interesting way of Smart. spinning it. I was fascinated by that because that was not what I expected. But when you go from there and then you get into like how they have to compromise over the course of it, what do they try and run away from, what do they run towards? Um, it was just very interesting to see the way they go because, as you said, Ben is a can- character that they have... Before the documentary even starts, they're interviewing they, him they, at home. They, they had
0: all of them besides Renee beforehand. I've learned and listened to some interviews with the filmmakers.
1: That makes sense. Um, because like I, I will be very honest, there is no way Virginia Boy's State would have found me if they had, were, were trying to interview this beforehand. Um, <laughs> but I think Renee is honestly the most interesting of them. But we can come back to Renee in a second. But the way Stephen kind of comes in, and then Robert comes in as the other like runoff candidate for governor. But it's just very interesting to see the way that in this very artificial ecosystem, artificial set of people, the way they all kind of change the way they're running for things to try and appeal this population. Right.
0: And also that, as we've talked about, it's like a very conservative group. And I'm sure the majority of the Nationals party was also pretty conservative, but the three people that kind of like rise to the top are progressive, who don't necessarily talk about their progressive views and they have different ways of addressing them. I mean, uh, I, I watched. I only had time to rewatch the first hour of the movie this afternoon. But uh, Renee does actually. I, for, I had forgotten already, even though I watched it for the first time three days ago. That Renee makes the point. Oh, I just tried to talk about bipartisanship in my speech and tried to be very vague on everything else, which is smart. But like he makes he really makes no secret about it after that after after getting elected that he's like gonna be more progressive whereas Stephen because he's actually like running for office has to like kind of be a little more hide things a little more like Robert straight up lies but the fact is uh, Robert eventually fades to the background but like Stephen and re, Stephen gets really far. Without like – and he already has people following him around even before he wins the primary. Like he already has followers, which I thought was really interesting, and I picked up on that. And Robert kind of did too, and uh, and Renee had already made some fast friends also. And it's like these guys like rose to these positions just by being smarter and being good speakers and exuding like a kind of leadership that people gravitate towards. And it didn't even matter that they weren't like going up there like Robert did and like and I guess I, I, I'm I am i am glumping Robert with them in, in there with them because he like has this amazing scene where he talks about his actual views. But the fact is there is a difference. Robert is the one that tries to go up there and toe the party line of what he thinks all what they want their party line to be and gives us all this false bravado about how we need to s- save all the babies for the adopt the couples that want to adopt. And the other t- and, and Stephen just doesn't do that. He just stays away from anything super partisan. And th- they just like his message and they like his approach more. And they, it feels way coming from a more honest place. And that enough just kind of elevates him above all these other people that are just screaming about abortion.
1: What's interesting is that you you start the documentary with Ben and Steven as kind of the two characters. They have background on that kind of come into, and Ben fades in the documentary for quite a while. They come back to him, but it really focuses on the Nationalist Party for like the next forty five minutes mm-hmm. or so. And so, what's interesting is both Robert McDougall and Renee Otero are both introduced through their first speeches to the to the Nationalist Party. Renee gives a speech about criminal justice and what what he has done to try and get rights for convicts to get like tax breaks for people who hire them or something like that. And turns it into, if I could get this for people who don't even have rights, what can I do for you? And wins the party chairmanship. And then Robert comes in and gives this speech that is very like, there are all these people who want to adopt. And like, if we stopped abortion, there'd be all these people who want it. It's extremely conservative. And it's interesting because you get this lens in. And then over the course of it, you have Renee who Uses, I think, the liberal issue that there are there is similarity with conservatives on. Whereas Stephen just basically makes a, I don't know what success session works in terms of left right, but turns it into a veterans argument. Sounds very conservative, which is very interesting in terms of like respect the veterans, etc. But kind of hides that. Whereas Renee doesn't really hide it, but as it goes on, is much more confrontational about like the platform and like discussing gun rights and being like universal background checks and beca- it's a little more confrontational yeah, again because so- he can
0: afford to do it because he doesn't have to run for anything after that but i, I i'm glad oh. you i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you went well he has to save himself i guess but i'm glad you went back to his speech because i don't think i dwelt enough i actually talked about that but like yeah the point is like it is kind of like a thing where the parties can kind of find common ground on but i mean i think the fact is he wasn't like going all out on like some conservative position and just, they still were inspired by him anyway. And just cause he yeah. he delivered it so well. I, I, I should just say like, I, I can see what you mean by him being like, more interesting than any of the other characters, but I just kind of felt like I almost felt inadequate every time I heard Renee talk. Cause I'm like, this, this was filmed when I was 27 and these kids were 17 and like this kid is smarter than me. It just like made me super self-conscious. Like every time I heard him talk, I was like, wow, he is so insightful.
1: Yeah. They're fascinating uh, individuals. And I think it's interesting because you start with the nationalist party convention. And so Renee wins the chairmanship, mm-hmm. Robert and Steven advance to the runoff and Steven wins like 150 votes. He's way in first place. And then mm-hmm. Robert, with this very conservative speech about abortion, ends up sneaking into the runoff as like second place, but gets like 30 votes. It's like Mm -hmm. 32 or very small number. And so there's a lot of discussion of him being like, maybe I should drop out, maybe I should go on. And then two things happen kind of in that sequence. One of which is that there starts being this impeach Renee campaign that starts being very vocal. Um, At one point, Renee shoots down secession being a topic they discuss to the platform and gets a lot of like, jeering and such from the convention. Um, there's a lot of that. There's an impeachment Instagram account that we should come back to later yes. with the general election. Um, but that goes on. And then Robert, in this sequence, admits that I'm actually pro-choice. I am liberal, but this is what people want to hear. And I'm going to give them what they want because if I get elected, then I'm governor and
0: who the qu- cares? The so. quote is, The quote is my, he says, my my stance on abortion would not line up well with the other guys out there at all. So I chose to pick a new stance. We're... That's politics, I think, which is like, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it's the thesis statement for the movie, but I think it's just like, it's horrifying in one way. It's like, this is like a crossroads in like a lot of these kids' lives, and like maybe this, this potentially rec- represents everything that's wrong with American politics, that people might think this way, and... Hey,
1: and you cut off the next line. He says, "Which is, if I win, I'm the governor." Sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say in an attempt to win.
0: Yeah, so it's like, but he comes, he comes so close to just like doing the right thing, and he's like, "Well, I could just like endorse the guy that's a better candidate and like help my party." And this guy actually ran it like on what he truly believes. And I, I, was there something else that like actually pushed him to just like go on in anyway instead of like doing were, that?
1: There were a couple like cut sequences where he was talking to like I guess fellow city city members, where he was like. I'm just gonna drop out and they're like, no, go for it. Like yeah. there was a little bit of like, no, you should you should stay in. So he does stay in. He doesn't win, but um, he does stay in it. And I don't think he ever actually admits to anyone at Boys State that he is liberal. I don't we never get that yeah, besides like, the filmmakers.
0: Yeah. Gonna they, they, like, they're, they're gonna show it to thousands of people eventually.
1: <laughs> but it was it was interesting because you kind of get this. So there's a kind of this after the initial introduction, you get this kind of middle section that is the nationalists in disarray. Oh, they don't know who they're going to do. Well, at this time, the federalists, like Ben wins, federalist chairman, I think pretty easily. He gives this speech about being a double amputee. And like, if I, I like, it's a very, uh, like, uh, Ayn Rand kind of speech of like pulling up himself up on the bootstraps. If I can do this, what can I do for you? But well, he wins and the federalists pick their candidates barely talks about that, mm-hmm. but nationalists are in disarray. But, you get through that, you get the candidates and you kind of get to the start of the general election. And I think that's when I think the contrast becomes most interesting. And I think just the way they run, and we can get into it obviously more, but I found the interesting part in this initial section, the fact that you have three very liberal people, as far as we can tell, who end up being the two people running for the runoff in the governor governor's nomination and renee who's party chairman who are all very liberal um uh, whereas in the federalist party you end up with ben as the party chairman who is very conservative we get that background before this very ideologically conservative kind of on all fronts and then the actual candidate they they choose which we don't need to talk about eddie too much but eddie who is they call him a ben shapiro type who is very uh has no personality, but just keeps reciting statistics. And
0: which I think, which I think, like a couple of them, like I think Ben, in, in talking about him, like says that like it's an amazing thing. And it's like okay, sure, I guess. For There's a quote versus- about him
1: having his statistics, or at least giving people the impression that he has his statistics. <laughs> right? I was like, like making up. A- he's talking about veterans at one point, just saying percentages, and I'm like, okay, um, but. i don't want to talk about who wins until we get further in because i kind of want to keep that spoiler for people if they're listening to this um we'll give a warning before we say that but when you get to this point i think it's surprising how much of a contrast there is between the two parties just in terms of who ends up representing them how they're running and you kind of have this everyone's kind of making compromises and how they want to run you have it, renee one point saying fine I am not giving up this party chairmanship, so we're just gonna do everything majority rules, and I am keeping this. They they are not getting rid of me, and it works. Uh, Rene finally entertains a motion to impeach him, and twelve people vote, and he <laughs> has a great clip about maybe you can form an intramural basketball team.
0: <laughs> he's, he, um, he's he's so he's so quick. I'm like I wish I thought I th- wish I thought as quick on my feet as that guy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know he I mean he, he pulls them together. I mean it's it's really impressive. I, I don't know if you have the greatest sense. Because, like you said, it is funny how, like, I mean, these even though, again, like we mentioned, yeah, a lot of conservative people, but these progressive guys still just kind of float to the top of this party because I think these people, they want a leader more so than anything, which is interesting that, like, a, a, as immature as these kids are, I mean, like you said, yeah, maybe this seemed like they uh, were more policy focused than your experience at Virginia, but they they take the time to show some of the ridiculous stuff, too. And like whether it be the like the pineapple and pizza thing, the getting rid of any like uh, deporting all the Prius owners to Oklahoma, that was another one. Uh, there's plenty of so that. Texas. And but and also I like, I kept wanting to write those kids off. Every time something like that happened, I was like, all right, like that those aren't the serious characters. And then I and then I realized, wait, in thirty years, like one of those kids could be Jim Jordan or something like that. Like I, I just kept having that thought where it's like I shouldn't like write off any of these idiots. Like who who knows what they could turn into. But so we, we see it, we see a lot of that and a lot of those guys presumably end up following uh, these nationalist leaders, but at the same time like we don't once you get in the general, like the, the part of Boy State is that like you actually have to attract people from like the other parties, right And it's like maybe I, 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 maybe I, I would have liked to have seen a if there's one thing I might maybe would have liked to have seen a little more in the movie it might have been like the on the ground campaigning in the general. Because I think some of the campaign tactics are really interesting, but it would have been cool to see like them having to sway people from one side to another. And they kind of talk about it and just saying, oh, like I've heard there's a lot of people that are trying to move. I heard there's a lot of people going from one, the nationalist, the federalist, or vice versa, but we didn't actually see what that looked like.
1: Yeah. So there are a couple aspects of that part. And so part of it was that the campaign was actually really interesting to me because I did this in 2010 mm-hmm. and like Personally, I didn't have an iPhone until like 2013,
0: so I was surprised. Right, and that's three- pre-Instagram, pre-Instagram too, like Facebook, yeah. but no, tw- no, really not a lot. Twitter is like really only been around for a year at that point, and Instagram wasn't a thing, which Instagram play- plays a big part in this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was surprised, like they, the, um, Boys State had a TV program that they were doing, which my Boy State definitely did not. Um, they had a, like a podcast they were doing, which was very yeah, interesting. I was like, I'm like,
0: that probably would have just been me. I would have like, give me that. I don't really want to run for anything. I'll do that.
1: Well, so... I think there's a really interesting aspect on what you were saying about kind of like the pineapple pizza that boys state to me is very similar to, so I did a lot of model U in like high school. And when you go to like, like UPenn's pens model U in high school, what's interesting about it is that when you're in these like general assemblies, you have like 400 people. Most of the people there are just there for like a, a trip for the weekend. And like, it looks good on college applications and boys state to me was very similar to that in that the median person there was not very ideological in my experience. Like the parties. Mm-hmm. You spend, like, it's only seven days, and by the time you get through coming the first day, just the city stuff the second day, I was looking at the calendar from my old boy's date, the conventions are like day three and four, and then you have elections like day five, day six is the swearing in, day seven you leave. So it's so compacted that... I was really curious how much the parties actually played a role in it. So like, Mm. I'll give you the perfect example for my boys state. The governor was not my party. It was the nationalist lieutenant governor was the federalist and the attorney general was an independent who ran like his own thing. So like it did not cut the way it did in this. And there was a, yeah, it was the whole thing. But I was very interested in like, is there a shift in how, how like political the average 17 year old is in the past decade, which I think is true. I think people have become a lot more engaged in politics since 2010, just on the median persons level. But I also think that there's a large aspect of this, which is just very, very personal and very much like, yeah, I'm a federalist, but whatever, like that's not real. And so I was just really curious if at this case, that was actually how it worked or that was the slant they gave on this. And um,
0: yeah, I want to talk I mean, about- It's not surprising people- post-2016, you know? I mean, I, I, I that these kids would have been like- even, even more political, so I, I'm not. I'm I'm not personally like super surprised by it. I guess I, I mean, maybe just knowing what I knew about it going in, I maybe expected more. Like I, I guess based on your experiences, there was more policy than you maybe even would have expected. But I I, I just thought, well, the kind of kids that even like want to take the time kind of time to go to this thing, like maybe they're just gonna be like I I don't know, just more policy wonkish than I would have thought. But these guys is really only wanted to talk about guns and abortion, so and maybe I shouldn't be surprised about that. We're in Texas, like, of course, they're going to talk about guns. But I was almost just like, I was like, well, yeah, I expected them to be like very political and probably more so than they would have been in 10 years, eight years prior. But at the same time, I was like, I almost expected like even more policy. Uh,
1: So I think part of it to me is also that in Texas, you're talking about a state that's huge and you're only selecting a thousand people, whereas in Virginia, which is a quarter the size, you were picking 800. So it also may be a higher bar to even get there. Uh, But I think part of what happens at a boy's state is the fact that the perception is reality. And so when you're thinking about what you expect to be very conservative, like group of people, you pick the issues that you think are going to be most broadly interested. And I think in Texas, when you're talking about like secession and guns rights and abortion, maybe those are the things that If you are a 17-year-old who's been in a relatively conservative Texas community, those are the things you think of as being, like, most broad-spanning and, like, appealing. Um, But I also think part of it is just that I think Ben at one point—I'm forgetting who says it, but they were like, actually, I found there were a lot more liberal people here than I would have expected. Mm -hmm. And so— I think part of the documentary that I was very curious about was how much the narrative they were giving us was actually how it was. Right. I was going to say like, a-
0: we, there could have been all this policy stuff I said I was expecting and they just thought it was too boring for them to, to make the final cut.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think one thing that's worth emphasizing for all your listeners is just that Boy state is very choose your own adventure. Like, mm-hmm. I was looking back and like half of people get to have some role somewhere. So there's like for Virginia, there's a House of Delegates, there's a Senate, like you can run for Supreme Court, you can run for like city sheriff. There's there's so many different places and those kind of split off. So like you'll have the legislature going, you have mock trial going, you have like the ban going. So we're getting an interesting portion that I think everyone at Boys State is aware of because everyone votes in these elections. But at the other end, the number of people who are actually involved in these campaigns seems to have been five people Hmm. like I think like four and even the documentary doesn't even talk about lieutenant governor governor or attorney general elections whatsoever like you they showed the, the results at the end but we never see the people who run for those so I thought it was like a very interesting angle to take of taking the party chairman and the governor's candidates but at the same time I do wonder I'd be very curious what all the footage they have and like what else was interesting.
0: Yeah. I think I've totally, I would totally watch like a docu mini series on this if they had chosen to do that. But again, that, that that's not what they set out to do. And I think it's a pretty smart, if you're going to pick a way to do it, I think this is the s- smart way. And it just so happened that w- one of the guys that they're, they'd already identified prior to actually arriving at the event and Ben like actually ended up playing a big part. And I, I kind of like the idea of just watching these two party chairmen, like, you know, work with these governor candidates and I it it was a really interesting contrast because I could totally see like a uh just cynically you could see how a more conservative person would like ben would just like find a, a mouthpiece like you know he's the i, I don't want to say the the donald Mil- trump to a stephen miller or just something like that where he's like you know he's able to like kind of mold this guy and do what he wants to with him is basically what they said we're like i think they even said at one point we're kind of like of the same mind or we're, we're we're totally in sync with what we're doing whereas so i mean he found a puppet while i'd say renee found a partner and and even and i i, I just I, I like watching them operate and i thought it was a i mean it, it was a good narrative thread to just follow if you're just going to choose one thing and i totally get what you're saying and i would be here for like a more sprawling version of this and uh i think before we finish up we'll talk about other ways we could see the, yeah. the, the see them evolving in different ways and i think this filmmakers have even intimated that they wouldn't be opposed to like going back into this world to try and find a different angle at some point, which I would, I don't know, I'd be totally here for But what what did you think about the campaign, actually? Actually, you know, what what we get to
1: the general election. Yeah,
0: actually, I just want, I'd rather talk about say this is a spoiler spoiler jumping off point uh if someone hasn't already watched it yet because i think we haven't spoiled anything but i think it's hard to talk about the decisions that are made in the campaign without spoiling it so we'll say right now like uh john and i obviously both enjoyed this movie but if you don't want to have actually how the this this fake election spoiled for you it's a funny thing to say uh then and i will uh,
1: say before your listeners leave if they're gonna go watch it i was on the edge of my seat waiting to find out what happens and i think what happens is, I think, what you'd expect, but um, I think it's I, it's absolutely riveting, and I can't recommend it enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. We both recommend watching this, but if you don't want to know how it ends, go away and then come back. It's on, again, we, I, I, I mentioned at the beginning that Apple TV Plus bought this, but if you are not an Apple TV Plus subscriber? It's easy enough to get a seven-day trial. So if you just want to watch something, you can do that. But if you've also bought any kind of Apple device recently, they basically give it to you a year for free. So it's not that hard to to access if you have any one Apple device. So highly recommend you check it out and then come back and listen to us talk about the rest. So uh, my biggest thing is that, and I kind of intimated a bit about the beginning about how a lot of these storylines just kind of like uh, mimic. Real life, and I, I man, it felt like a depressing metaphor for like the uh, the world we live in, where you know the conservative party is just willing to push the boundaries and get their hands a little dirty, and the and and the progressive one wasn't as much, and the the sides were rewarded accordingly. And I think that's, I, I think it was really interesting. It's also really interesting. I've watched some interviews with these kids in the last couple of days also. And I've heard the filmmakers talk about Ben's reaction to it. And I've heard Ben talk about Ben's reaction to it. It was really funny. I, I, I was listening to one of the interviews Ben gave and he, the kids got to go to Sundance. At least I think Ben and Steven did at least, which is cool. And Ben said, he sat down at, at the screening at Sundance and a woman sat next to him and introduced herself. And he and he introduced himself and she said, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm in this movie. And he said, what What are you doing here? And she said, I work for A 24. And, and, and then they sit there and watch the movie. And the, apparently he said the woman t- turned to him afterward and said, uh, uh, young man, use your powers for good. Was, uh, was what she said at the end. And I the, the filmmaker said, and he said too, that he thought it was going to be a uh, the Ben highlight reel and the greatest hits or whatever when he watched it. And apparently he's done a lot of self-reflection. None of them went so far as to say that he's now a, a full-blown, full-blown progressive now that he's presumably starting his sophomore year of college. But who knows, if he went to the right college campus, maybe the right people got in his year. But he at least realized that, like, hey, what I did was kind of dirty. But at the same time, like, that's great that he learned that lesson. But, I mean... There's still plenty of politicians out there, as we can see every day, that like are going to stoop even lower than he stoops in this movie. So what was your reaction to just like, kind of watching how these choices, these choices that these kids made?
1: Yeah, no. Um, so for anyone who is listening to this and didn't watch for some reason, Eddie wins, which is, I think, very fitting in that the least interesting person is actually the one who wins the governorship. Right. Uh, but we start the general election campaign, and you kind of have the federalists on one side, federalists, right, um, who are... Sorry, the nationalists on one side who are doing a little more of we're going to do the bipartisanship of we're going to go straight down the middle, have kind of mm-hmm. things that appeal to everyone. We're going to do this. Whereas you got to see very early on Eddie and Ben scheming from the Federalist side to, to kind of emphasize that Stephen was involved for with organizing March for Our Lives to make gun control like the central issue and really trying to like play at that point, which was a policy aspect, but very much a like not smear, but like definitely a negative campaign of steven if he's a governor it's going to take away your guns like <laughs> the fact that this is all fake but so you kind of get into the general election you get pieces where you have like a campaign account which feds on meds which still exists on instagram if you want to go look at oh, that really? it's still there um but you kind of get into the general election you have these pieces and kind of the central inciting incident happens where on this campus, what seems that they had was they had four districts—they did not do this when I did this, I don't know—four mm-hmm. like four auditoriums, and what the two like candidates for governor did was they came to each room, gave like a six-minute speech, and kind of went around. And so apparently at one of these, I guess, is Renee's district, at which he is, I guess, the moderator as well as being the state party chairman, and Ben and Eddie decide to pull— a trick of basically giving a two minute speech. That's very short about Eddie being his parents being immigrants from Italy. And I, I know about like, like success and being self-made, et cetera. And then they try and pull this stunt, which is basically, I am, I want to open the floor up to questions. And Renee's like, no, that's not in the rules. And very much like, I'm sorry. No, like we have a debate later that we can do this at, but this is not it. Very down the line. And Ben, well, and since I-
0: Steven had already given his speech. So it was yeah. like he wouldn't even. He would have had to have been allotted more time if they were going to like actually allow him to do that too. And then it would. It just would have thrown it all out of whack.
1: And this is one place where I was very surprised that there wasn't some adult that was like, "No, nah, no, nah, no," nah. because like I remember when I ran the state party chairman, I had a uh, like a staffer who was there to like help me with all this stuff. So I was surprised by that. But so you get Ben basically playing this into this is bias, like this is cancel culture. They're canceling our mm-hmm. candidate, and turns this very like minor event, which anyone watching there was kind of like, this is dumb, like, what are you doing? But then you get the telephone game of trying to push this into, they're biased against us, like, this is our wedge issue, and it fits their roles, because you have the nationalists where Stephen and Renee are both non-white, both, I think, by the fact of what they've said in this, you can tell that they're liberal. Like, you have Stephen, who had a Beto shirt, who marched for our lives, like, I don't think anyone there is actually assuming he's, like, a libertarian, though he tries to play that at certain points. And then Renee, who's black and is talking about, like, gun control and these kind of things. So I think it plays into on a racial level as well as just like an identity level, what people would assume about them, but then you kind of have them pushing this wedge issue. And it gets further into there's there's a the, the impeach renee account at one point has a racist meme of renee which i guess then gets deleted but kind of shows the extent right. of how that's And going. apparently that,
0: was, that apparently that was the one time where the adults in the room actually stepped in according to the filmmakers which is smart like i mean because right. that could get like that could go like way too off the rails but i kind of like for the purposes of at least cinematically that they didn't step in of the, the whole oh this is biased thing like that that felt like a legitimate like Political, not legitimate, but an actual political trick that could actually be, take place in practice that wasn't something that was like crossing the line from like a racial standpoint. So I kind of like that they let that play itself out and t- kind of taught these kids a lesson for better or worse, you know?
1: No, I think it's interesting. And I think, so I guess what I was saying was more that I'm surprised that the entire parliamentary procedure was on this 17 year old who's been party chairman for two days, oh, yeah. uh, at least in the way it was edited. But it is worth noting that at one point Renee does talk about the fact that this wasn't attacking the party or attacking a platform. This was just like a person inciting an entire room against like me as a person and kind of that level of being attacked. And I think when you are like, he is a person of color in a room that is mostly white, mostly conservative and kind of being attacked like that was something Mm -hmm. that he felt very uncomfortable with. And I think is very fair. Um, But we go through the election and they play up the idea that, Oh, I don't know. Will this convert more nationalists to vote for us that we pulled this trick or will we lose more Federalists because this happened? And that they like the the entire thing kind of goes through those machinations and we which is also t- which is
0: also totally something you could see happening in real life like that we see that all the time where like someone goes too far with something in the Republican party and then they have to disown it and act like oh no we would never support that when they created the conditions that allowed it to happen in the first place just a really funny way in which like a extremely believable thing happened that could happens like all the time in the real world and this happened in this bubble which i just thought was really fitting but sorry continue no
1: no i totally agree and i think the question i had in my head was they show kind of, I guess Texas has more statewide offices because they had a bunch of elections, but Mm -hmm. they talk about the big three, which is governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general. And they're reading them off and the Federalists win the attorney general, the Federalists win the lieutenant governor, and then Eddie and the Federalists, and Eddie Bannon, the Federalists also win the governorship. And so you kind of have this scene where they're hoping uh, and Eddie wins. And so it's one of those things where from that point forward, I think it becomes a little more introspective about was it worth it? You kind of have Steven talking about how proud he is of the campaign he ran. You have Renee reflecting on maybe I should have been dirtier. Maybe that's how they won and I didn't. And so it's,
0: I leave, I I left the movie thinking, I think not that I don't think Steven could make for a talented politician one day, but I almost think he's too nice in a way. And like, I, 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 and who knows? Like maybe he, he is shrewd and he's smart in the way he like kind of hides his actual views at the right times and stuff. But I'm like, I think Ren, I I think Renee, like I, in my gut, I'm like, I bet Renee has it in him to like, you know, have that go go that extra mile to like, you know, push the envelope a little bit in a way that needs to be pushed. I like, I think he kind of got that. And I, whereas I feel like Steven might be a little too earnest and might need to like you know, have something bad happen to him to make him, like, really, like, have him more of an edge. That was kind of, like, my read on it, where it's, like, I think Renee like, kind of gets what, probably learned exactly, like, where he needs to, like, push back even more. And that was my read on it, but, like, I was really impressed with Steven and how he handled himself through the whole movie, though.
1: No, absolutely. And I think Steven's well, because the, the converse argument to that, though, is that Renee runs actually on a more outspoken like set of policies, whereas Stephen's actually the more shrewd in terms of politics. He picks the secession issue. He's a lot more—he tries to play it down the middle. The problem is we have social media in 20, 2018 when this happens, so they find out about March for Our Lives and such. And so there's, like—he can't completely shape his own narrative. But I do think it's fascinating because I think Stephen would be a very effective, like— like house members and like that, but he's very clearly more ideological and much more like an activist. Whereas I think Renee, like Steven was more attached to his own morals in the process and was more interested in the campaign he run. He didn't want people to sign if They didn't want him to win, etc. And whereas Renee seems a little more willing to like do what it takes and kind of say what you need to say. So I think it's interesting. Whereas the way they pitch stuff is different, but I do think Renee would have been much more malleable in like the policies.
0: But also Renee was just like really fearless and being himself and so and self-aware and that he makes the comment about like, you know, I've never seen so many white people in my life. And I think it's interesting that like on, on, the one hand, like I think there's a way in which this movie could interrogate race a lot more, but at the same time, I wonder if there's a reason why that didn't happen because it's like so overwhelmingly white that like it might not have come up any more than it came up and you do have like one of the guys that when that does try to like stand up and like straight up like i mean it's this guy's fault for being an idiot for actually like trying to impeach renee for like no good reason and renee says on camera like that guy probably doesn't like black people but that's but like and like it's like I, I trying to i forgot what the line he said after that was and he's like well th- that that's a problem i'm gonna have to deal with or something like that but it's the fact is like he's cognizant of it he's commenting on it and i guess the filmmakers could have maybe asked some more of these other just like run-of-the-mill white guys that were there like just how do you wh- what do you think about race in america and maybe they would have gotten some interesting quotes i don't know is there a way that you think that the movie could have just kind of incorporated it and put a microscope to the whiteness of this entire operation in a different way
1: I don't think so, actually. And I think mm-hmm. that was one of the things with an environment that's this white, it's very hard to ask that because there's not like Steven's Hispanic and Renee is black. But I don't know if there are other characters in this that you can really go to for context on that. And so it becomes one of those things where I think the obviously the filmmakers bring it in at several points. Renee talks about it in a couple of moments, but I think. I like the way they narrate the entire election and kind of give you all the pieces. And it flows so well that it, it seems scripted. But I think if you put it in more, I think it becomes heavy handed. And I think I
0: it's think almost, it's almost better if it's on the periphery in a way.
1: Yeah. And I, think I don't want to say it's not one of those important. Things where, but... I think it just defines when you're Renee or Stephen living in this like very conservative, very white world. I like or environment of Boys State. I think it just is. Like an existing fact of everything else that happens, and I think you just have to understand that with everything they deal with, the fact that Renee is impeached, Ben isn't, like et cetera, et cetera. There's just there are all these aspects where it's like no one's going to come out and say this is because of race, but like probably is because of race. And I think I think it's quite fascinating because I think it it's a it's a surprisingly apt dichotomy between the two parties that I think almost seems too good to be real.
0: Yeah, it 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 is just funny how they kind of like split down the middle like that and it, it might just be a simple or how the parties ended up being divided ideologically like that like we already kind of discussed and it's, it's probably just as simple as you know two of the three smartest guys at the, at, at the whole place ended up on ended up two of them ended up on one side and were ideologically in one way and the other really smart guy was super conservative and ended up on the other side and i again i certainly hope uh ben ended up ends up using those powers for good because he's like terrifyingly smart it's those guys that scare me more than like the you know, the stereotypical MAGA person that are on the news. It's like, and those people need to have a microscope put on them more often, but it's also because, like, I don't know, our president surrounds himself with, like, a lot more of the dumb ones and a lot more of the bends, you know, and that's probably pretty good, so.
1: Yeah, I think the documentary, if you interrogate, is pretty clear on the fact that I think Stephen could have easily won the domination of the other party if he'd been in that party. I think it just ends up being Mm -hmm. kind of a sorting thing that Renee and Stephen were exceptionally eloquent i was not that eloquent in any of the speeches i gave i can guarantee you that so they are like
0: the way they're just incredible um, it's also incredible shot really well too i mean like the way it zooms in on steven as he's giving that first speech i mean i got like i'm getting chills and i'm watching this for a second time and it's a fake speech i was like damn i mean this is yeah, really no, cinematic i would love to talk about the
1: filmmaking of this at uh near the end because i think there's just a lot of brilliant choices yeah, so, made.
0: Just, well so as someone that has been to something like this. Who, your 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 boy state probably had fewer people, but uh not that much actually. It was like 800, 900 people. I think this was. I feel like I saw somewhere that this was maybe twelve hundred or eleven hundred. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to get. I mean, I already. I heard the filmmakers talk a little bit about how many crews they'd have out there, but like just knowing what you know about like just how many people are in these rooms, and you're not. You don't see a camera. You're seeing all these angles, but you don't see a camera throughout. So to be able to get the setup and get as many different shots from as many different perspectives as they do in every, in some of these big rooms, like that must've taken a a lot of organization and a lot of really smart cinematographers. Uh, Did you come away really impressed by just, just how they shot this thing, I guess.
1: I agree. I think it's less than you'd think. And the only reason I'll say that is they got really lucky that you already had Steven and Ben from before it seems. Mm -hmm. So they had, two people to follow who end up being in key positions. Right. And then the other ones come in pretty fast. Cause you have to imagine there's only two party conventions. So all 1100 people are in two rooms and they're all giving speeches. And so they're only showing us the good ones. They show us someone else who ran against Ben, who's not at all as good as Ben at speaking. Mm-hmm. But from that point, you can kind of can bring them in to be like, okay, you're party chairman, let's interview you. And so that's where you get Renee. That's where you get Robert. Like they never interview Eddie as far as I'm aware, but that's where those people come in. So I think that's good. I think, the nature of it and the way the campaigns ran is you probably only needed
0: two crews, maybe three for the. I think I think they, I think they said they had six, but again, I mean, yeah, th- but like that's probably covering mean, all their bases, though. right? It's like uh, they, they shot. They probably, like you said, they probably shot so much footage that they just didn't I even end, that they just didn't even end up needing. But like, I well, mean. The other filmmaking choices, there's just a lot of like little tidbits in this that like, I think you could pull
1: honestly like any 15 seconds of this and just be like, wow, that was fascinating or insightful or insightful and terrifying There's just a lot of like little quips that I don't know if that's because they're put in front of a camera, but these kids are just rifling off fascinating things about politics.
0: Yeah, is uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it now, but Robert, they, they got they 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 did a good job of taking the time to like just kind of also capture the kids' his meditation <laughs> about the thick measuring metaphor. Right. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna quote it and I meant to write it down. And I didn't. And they were like, yeah, you can't say that. And then he had he said he used his penis instead, but I I can't remember the way he actually said it. But like, I mean, it was a good way of like that they that they it was good that they took the time to like capture the kids in those moments because you could see why someone like Robert would at least have some natural charisma and people would be drawn to him even if he's really not that smart and I and and I'm glad that they found found the time to kind of use those quieter moments to kind of show that about those people um no absolutely
1: and And I think on that note, though, I thought some of the most interesting film, like filmmaking, was the interviews because how many times in this in this entire thing were was Ben or Steven on a couch laying down? Like the number of shots we got of Ben laying on his side on this like like very fancy couch, just like rifling and off.
0: Ben clothes. was Ben was treating it like therapy, I guess. He just looked way Basically, really comfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure. I mean, sure they probably. I mean, therapy is probably not a bad. Not that this actually was therapy, but it probably wouldn't be a bad service for them to have when you're in this boiler room of a um, of an event um and yeah i mean i i like the i like those and i i, I like the and i i thought they filmed the the speeches very well and uh there's 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 just a lot of a good reactions so they they whenever there's a speaker on stage i'm sure they like were kept capturing him from either side in the back of the room maybe but like they clearly had to have at least a couple on the on just on the audience whenever there's like one of those speeches going on because you want to catch these kids doing jackass things um, or
1: just the coverage you have to have because like just the the amount of like, cause so the way boys state is organized is you have cities. Like Mm -hmm. in mine, it was 12, 16, uh, 16. There were like 50 people each at Liberty. Each of us had our own like little, uh, basically like trailer dorm. These were cinder block hell holes, Mm but, um, you're together. That's where you go for all the sessions. That's like, there are like different things about like what the legislature does. You'll have speakers throughout the week of like different, like prominent governor, uh, like, uh, government officials will come and speak. So, I think there's a lot of coverage you had to have to get all these little moments, but I do think the arc of the, the week is pretty easy to catch. If you know who those key figures are and you think like, it does seem that Texas has like a lot more of a storied being governor is this amazing thing. And like maybe Virginia had that too. I wasn't aware of it. Um, but it is fascinating just the way that they were able to get all the little pieces that give you the context and give you the way these things are operating. Like, God, there was a moment where Eddie and Ben are being interviewed in the general, and he's like, "What's your best asset?" and Eddie says, "His abs," and then Ben says, "Rock hard," and I'm just like, "What is happening? Like, <laughs> what is this of masculinity that's happening here?"
0: I was very curious, like, if, I think, you, I if think, you, I think, you, think I think like, Ben was, start- I think Ben was probably used to complimenting people on their abs right because of his dad you want to talk about his dad at all it's
1: so fascinating that they only had a couple people to talk to beforehand so the it, beginning of the film you have been giving a speech to his parents in his very fancy kitchen mm. and he's talking about it like he's gonna be president and you have his mom there and then you have his very jacked dad shirtless in the kitchen <laughs> and i was just like why is this happening
0: his dad, like, his, who dad makes- his dad knew it was his chance to shine and he's like I, I only have one chance to be seen by the masses i need to look good I,
1: I mean, it was a choice, like (laughs) I guess good for him, Um, but there's just a lot, like I was surprised how lucky they got that they managed to get these, I was curious how many kids they actually spoke to before this,
0: I I bet it was
1: a lot more than this.
0: Oh, for sure, Um, and they just got, and so that way they knew, like, uh, we have some background on a lot of them until, in case a couple of these break out, they they made it sound like, and I'm sure that they knew pretty early on that like Ben and Steven were going to be pretty special, I don't think they knew exactly what they had on their hands with Robert, even if they like thought that like this is an interesting kid. But like, I mean, again, that's like the, the most incredible, memorable scene of the movie to me is Robert's confessional halfway through. And,
1: and like, I will say that if you'd done this about my boys' state, the most interesting part would have been if you had a the attorney general campaign where you basically had everyone at boys' state was like parties are dumb. I'm going to vote for this independent guy, and his whole campaign was like against the two party thing, and he won like in a landslide. So it's just it's fascinating the way that like this is the big question that I had a- exiting it was that all three major offices were won by the Federalists. So in this documentary, you're getting this narrative that, oh, we're going to lose unless we do X and we can do X. And I was just really curious, was that the other elections were also like that clear cut in terms of people picking like the more conservative candidate? Was that, was the narrative we were given not as much like hoeing into that? Because I was just really curious if that was actually how things went because they don't tell us the vote total.
0: Yeah, like, I would have liked to have known that. Um, yeah, and you know, I guess I don't know if that information's out there at all. If the filmmakers ended up talking about it, if that's even is that stuff that do you remember? Is that information they give out at the end? The I do so. Okay. I think so. so I, I, I didn't know that was like a o- standard operating procedure to not do it or something. I was curious, but I thought um, so
1: because like if you see what the primary elections, they put it up on the wall. Yeah, and the
0: vote right. And um, I guess my 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 read on it at the end was just that like. Look the 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 the, ide- the ideologues kind of the ideology of the majority eventually run out but won out but these kids just had respect for Stephen anyway and I think they did a good job of making that clear uh, and that was just kind of where it ended up these guys were just gonna they were gonna vote for the more conservative option and it's not that surprising and that the the tactics that they engaged in to win were gonna come through and that was that was kind of my ultimate takeaway from how it ended there. Um, I want to ask a little bit about boy state overall, but I, I want to ask I, the only, the, I'm, I'm not going to like speculate on these kids futures that much, but I, I have to ask about Robert. Where do you think, where, what do you think Robert is doing in, in 25 years?
1: <laughs> I think he is the annoying boss that we all hate working for you that. We he... don't know how he got there <laughs> Okay, uh, here. He just seems to me, I don't, he doesn't seem to be that good of a, a speaker is the thing. Like, I don't think like Renee, when he gave that speech, I was just like, oh my God, you're like your oratorical God. And just, I find Robert to be fascinating in his own way. But I do think, I I'm very like, curious where the rest of them end up because they, like at the end montage, you have like Steven giving a speech at the democratic convention for Texas. And like, I was just very curious because they're, what, how old are they? 19 now? Like, yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: I, I think I, in one of the interviews I saw with Renee, he said he went into Boy State wanting to like be a Senator or something and decided he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. But again, you could see him easily being a some kind of really sharp political consultant or whatever and i guess my thing is i think you're right actually i was i was actually thinking of it in terms of like oh what kind of politician would robert be but i think it is more likely he just kind of fails upward in life to being someone's boss and because he like he, he he has some kind of charisma where people do seem to like him and they followed him around and even if he's not that smart but at the same time like i mean i i i don't know it just seems like he's just like a a, a privileged white guy that would just is gonna find a way to have success just because he's a privileged white guy but i i was almost
1: how successful was he that's the question i had was he only got like 32 votes in the first round of the primary out of like 550 people and it didn't seem like the runoff was that close and i just would have been curious like he managed to get like second most but that seemed to be like the skin of his teeth yeah so like, I Stephen, Stephen, like yeah
0: luck. like steven kicked their ass in the primary just didn't quite enough for the uh quite enough to avoid the runoff so i get i think there's think it is a fun a fair point because like i came in here like i thought way too much over the last few days like who is he is he marco rubio because he has no principles is he george bush because he's not like that smart is he gonna if he if, if someone gets in his ear and he like makes the right turn politically could he be like beto o'rourke because he's like you know he is that he does seem like he has that Chill, laid back personality, or I mean, could he be Joe Biden? Because I don't think he's necessarily like that smart, like book smart in that way. So I don't know. I, I, I just thought a lot about that. And I thought a lot about him because it just seemed like we need people like that that are like, charism- like charismatic enough and likable enough that will have people follow them even if he ultimately didn't have that many guys follow him it was clear he had guys that were like pretty drawn to him they there were a lot of scenes of him just talking and setting and setting up shop and holding court or whatever and i i don't know i, I just i want i want i want a guy like him to like find his way because he it was very clear that if the wrong people get in his ear he could adopt the wrong positions and go pretty far in life you never know um
1: i think robert if he had been the gubernatorial candidate, I think that would have actually been more reflective of my experience of Boise State, which mm-hmm. gave me actually a pretty nihilistic view of politics. Yeah. I think the way Boy State is set up where you have to like make up policies in like three days and like run for these offices where there's one point where they're like, what do we do if we get elected? And it's like, well, this is more about the process of getting there. You don't really do anything once you get elected. Um, and so I just – I think Eddie is by far the most realistic character <laughs> yeah, in this where probably. he t- – pretty attractive in terms of just, like, conventional, like, he's a handsome guy, he seems to speak okay, people seem to like him, he's pretty non-objectionable, and in a conservative place, that is enough, whereas, like, I would totally buy someone like Robert actually being a candidate. I'm watching Joe Kennedy run against Ed Markey right now, and he reminds me a lot of Joe Kennedy, where he's like, I'm running, and why? I don't know. <laughs> and so, like, I'm just, I... I was surprised they, that the people involved in this were so fascinating. And like, I will say at Virginia boys state, the kid who was the gubernatorial candidate for my party is also very liberal. And mm. I've known him now and he went to like Berkeley college in, in Boston and like, is like now an artist and shit. But it's one of those things where I think in a big thing like that, where it's so random and so quickly formed, I don't think it's too hard to have a couple people who are just good speakers that can end up in that position. But I also think I do wonder if the nationalists ever had a chance. I don't know if that's clear.
0: Yeah, no, who knows? And I, I, you, you would like to think that in a, I don't know in, in Texas. I, I, I just, I, I think probably not, but it was cool to see them, uh, do as, do as well as they did and be received as well as they were for being as earnest as they were. But it, it's just kind of sad that like, you know, like you said, it was kind of predictable because you know, th- that doesn't always work. And we are kind of, kind of always having that debate right now about whether or not the Democrats need to get their hands more dirty and all that. And if you're, if you already have a, Demographic disadvantage, then not going as far as your opponent in those ways is probably going to hurt you too. Uh, I I think it's interesting. You made the point about it being a nihilistic experience. And because the last thing I was going to ask you before you wrapped up is I mean, they touched on it actually pretty early in the movie where Steven is saying he thinks it should be people state and not boy state and not girl state. Uh, Are there ways in which, having been through the process yourself, albeit a long time ago, and now watching this, are there other ways in which you think that this could develop? as an institution that would actually allow the kids to get more out of it and be a more fulfilling experience that's more substantive is it is the answer combining the genders is it changing the structure a little bit what what did you leave this movie thinking like oh maybe if they could do this thing this could even be more worthwhile than it is. And I say that acknowledging that I think Renee maybe hit on something where it said it could be, it's, it's probably is maybe a valuable experience for some liberals to like, at least go in there and just kind of see how these people think and how they operate and all that. But is there even more that they could do to change the format?
1: So I came away with this actually thinking that the format's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, I think obviously it varies a little bit state to state, like what the form is like exactly what you run for, but there are a lot of aspects where it's a little more about process than policy. And I think that was quite interesting of like how things work, how things are elected, what the rules are. Um, and I actually came away with this thinking that if I were just a random boys stater watching this, hearing about like, Oh, there was a racist Instagram post. Oh, they're accusing them of bias. I'd be like, Oh, this is a little too real. So I was quite impressed by the institution. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, the, the point you brought up about boys and girls state, I'll just mention briefly that there's a lot of controversy about that. I remember when I went that there was a lot of frustration that Girl state is treated a lot less seriously. Hmm. Um, and that it was a little more in the same way. Girl scouts, I think it's a reputation for not being as like, as like hardcore wilderness or like survival the way boys scouts, boy scouts are. Hmm. Um, although they've now allowed girls into boy scouts. So that's a whole other thing, but, I remember there being a lot of controversy at girl state and I do think it's a a very interesting question. On the other hand, I think putting 1200 boys and girls together in like a secluded area may not yield the things you want. Um, but I don't know, you can expect people to act better. Um, it's a very, it was very interesting to me because it seems like the way Texas boys' state is organized is very, um, Centrally driven by the American Legion. So oh, when okay. I did this, my counselor at my high school in Virginia sent a, like the entire senior class, being like, "Hey, who's interested in boys and girls state? Write us a little essay." And so I like wrote like a two-page essay, and then got an email being like, "Hey, you're in!" And like hmm. basically, you get accepted. You have a little meeting during the school year with the people telling you about it, and then you like show up to whatever the point is in your county that there's a bus. You get on it and you go for a week, and it's like all expenses paid in terms of that. But it's a very I remember it being a relatively low key and I was looking back and the other three people who went from my high school were all pretty chill people. I don't remember them being Mm. like the most type A or the most political people, but it is, I think a very interesting thing in terms of there is a basic opt-in to kind of this political, political experience. And I do think in a week, I think it does a lot to kind of explore all those aspects, but that said, I was going back, and rem- I did not remember anything about a legislature. I have no idea what the legislature did um, when I was in Boy State.
0: Yeah, it so. seems like it'd be a big thing that the movie just obviously didn't really have that much time to get into. But uh, I would um, – I don't know. My, my, my thing is like I, I don't really feel like I have the level of expertise to really say what changes they could really make to like make this thing any different. But I would watch the hell out of something if – i would watch the hell out of girl state by itself i mean i don't know what that looks like but it'd be really cool to see how they interacted with each other compared to the guys but like i'd be i'd also be totally there if they did a movie where it all got combined into one and i think that'd be fascinating as well and i I, it's just it's really cool that the american legion actually gave these filmmakers access to it too because i mean yeah, i was surprised by that because i mean i just know from listening to these filmmakers talk that their, their political leanings are probably really nowhere anywhere close to a lot of the people that are involved in the actual putting on of this event and it's cool that they gain their trust and were able to get into this and just have the access that they did and it'd be cool if they wanted to revisit it in any format and i'd be down for it uh i
1: I do think on the gender aspect it's worth noting that throughout the documentary there's quite a bit of meditations i will say on like masculinity there's quite a Mm -hmm. bit of like offhand either like speech moments or being like like i am masculine enough to do this so there's a little bit of like 17 year olds like we talked about the dick measuring comment at one point there is quite a no, bit of well, like, someone
0: like makes a, actually makes that a part of their speech like we will keep no. our masculine identity it's like geez man like you're really going for it huh
1: and i do wonder if that's a little more what 2018 is versus what just 17 year old boys are because i do think just i don't think that was as much of a thing a decade ago i think so i'll just say my context of this is that i'm an ra on like a college campus like where i went to college hmm. and the difference in the political environment between 2011 to 2015 to now is just night and day in terms of how intense it is, in terms of how like careful you have to be. There's just a lot of aspects that have changed a lot in the past decade in terms of how I think young people and 17 and 19-year-olds aren't that far off engage in politics. And so I do think it's a very interesting thing where I think this documentary is something that could only happen right now. And I think it's only something that could only happen in this kind of format i don't think you would have gotten something this interesting if he did this a decade ago
0: at all you're probably right do you have any other final thoughts on the movie before we finish up
1: i just thought it was interesting the way it kind of the kick in the gut at the end and i didn't really know what to think of it i think it makes you cynical at the end but i've watched it twice in the past 24 hours <laughs> and one was for fun and the one was actually more for like let's actually pay attention to the order of things yeah I just think it's a very interesting document. And it reminded me a lot of American factory where you have at the end, like you think they're kind of succeeding and then no, they lose the union vote and everything sucks. And so it was, it was very nihilistic, but I also think, I think the filmmakers did a really good job of, yes, this was the central narrative and these are our central four characters, really like three or five, how you ever count it, but they really did nicely spurs in the legislature and how I think, like more upbeat that was, or like the talent show or just all these other pieces where it was just a lot more light. And I thought that was just a really interesting aspect because there are a lot of things they could have focused on. Like you have a city where it's like, this: the 50 of you live in a dorm and like you like to mayor and they could have focused on that. And if there was like, there are just so many pieces to this where I enjoyed the thread they picked, but I didn't. I also really liked the way they tried to intersperse a lot more of just what was actually happening at this and how similar was this to everyone else's experience.
0: Yeah. I, that, I'm, that's, that's, that's also, I, I keep coming back to that thinking, just thinking of all the possibilities for like how many. They, this could easily, I don't. I mean, I just wish they did, like, a 12-episode thing. I mean, it'd be crazy to, like, stretch a seven-day thing into 12 episodes, but it seems like there's room for that with all the cities and everything like that. Uh, Or you
1: do, like, a Romanoff, like, like TV series where each day is a different narrative from
0: Wednesday. I did not watch that show.
1: (laughs) No, I did not either, but I'm, like, in terms of, like, episodic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess my only final point, and, I mean, John even touched on it a little bit when he was just talking about these kids talking about their own masculinity, but I think— almost first and foremost before anything else i think is an important thing about this movie is that it's really about in a way it's a movie about kids finding themselves and i i mean i I've, I've seen that a little bit in these interviews i've watched where i mean it seems like ben really did learn something about himself watching this back and this is like a i don't know i want to say it's a crossroads in these kids lives they're gonna change a lot in college i'm sure most of them will but i i just found it really interesting to like watch these kids and how they think about themselves and how they should be and just knowing that like they're 17 and so much can change in just like three years i know so many people that changed when they went to college ideologically and especially being from the florida panhandle like i am and it's fascinating to just examine these put these kids under a microscope and just watch them learning about themselves and i think that makes it a interesting movie regardless of whether or not you're a politics junkie but even if you're not a politics junkie i still think there's enough they do a good enough job of just getting into these people and telling their stories that you're going to get invested in them so again absolutely
1: I think, I think it's a brilliant narrative and I also think if, when you watch it be kind to them they're 17 year olds like this was a week at, in like austin that they were like doing this campaign and I think I think it's very similar to actual politics where I think you make more compromise than you expect to and I think you go to places you didn't expect to and I think it's really interesting where every single person in this has to make their own compromises and I think the way the documentary handles that is just quite fascinating where I think you get just so many different so many different angles on the same thing, which is just that politics makes you make compromises you wouldn't necessarily have made otherwise,
0: right? And uh, it, or or makes you do things that you would otherwise regret, which I think, like I said, Ben has probably said that and like uh, about about w- what he engaged in. And it's like it's such a such a high pressure environment that like you can understand why people would just be driven to do stuff they wouldn't do otherwise. So it's probably a, like a good thing to not judge him too hard, like John said. Uh, before we sign off, one thing we've started doing since the pandemic started because people are watching things even more than usual staying home is doing streaming recommendations um is there anything you've watched recently that's not boy state that you want to shout out to people it can be tv show movie new old anything do you have anything else that you've been watching in quarantine john
1: oh man um actual recommendation is survivor survivor has gotten me through a lot of quarantine um every season's on cbsl access there are a lot of great ones um and it's short enough that you can watch a couple days um but actual movies. I watched Terminator 2 last week after hearing about it in the big picture, which was a great time. And so I would very much recommend if you want like a fun action movie, you may have not seen Terminator 2. Great time.
0: Yeah. I came to Terminator movies a little later. I mean, I probably hadn't seen either until five years ago, but I'd always heard that like two is like the best. And that movie, it just doesn't stop. It's, it's as great as everyone says it is. I, I, I funny you dropped the ringer podcast. I'll, I was going to mention The Sandlot because I watched it because I wanted to listen to the rewatchables that they did because I'll... Watch anything where Mina Kimes and Mao Rubin are talking together. Uh, I you, endorse you, that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could have kicked Bill Simmons off the podcast, and then you would have really had me. But it was still, it was still a good time. But I mean, The Sandlot. I hadn't, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched it. I mean, I've seen it multiple times before, but probably not since college. And I think I probably liked it more than I did in college. And I, 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 I said on Letterboxd like, I'm always going to take a star off because uh, I'm now old enough to understand just how poorly the Wendy Pepper Corin sequence has uh, aged. But at the same time, like everything else about that movie is. Basically perfect, and it's kind of incredible because it's so clearly steals from a bunch of other '80s movies, uh, but at the same time, like it's really, really specific and personal. You can tell to the filmmaker, and I appreciate that. Other thing I'll recommend is uh, I'm going to be doing a podcast later this week on the a couple of Sofia Coppola movies. So I rewatched a couple of those because uh, my friend Kayla, who hasn't been on the pod since last December, is going to come talk about Bling Ring and Marie Antoinette and. I would recommend both, though. I think the reason I chose those is just one, I saw Kayla tweet about Bling Ring. And I'm like, I've really never talked about Bling Ring with anyone. That'd be fun. And like, I liked it even more than I did the first time I watched it. It's kind of, it's it's weirdly like a movie that struck me as being even more about the media than it did the first time I watched it. But it's, it's just a lot of fun. Marie Antoinette, I, I wanted to rewatch because it was just one that like, it never really clicked for me. And it seems like a lot of like really big film people think it's her masterpiece. So I thought it was at least interesting to revisit, even if I don't know if it really... A rewatch swayed me that much but i mean all of her movies are worth watching and she has a new one coming out another apple tv actually acquisition i think I, maybe an actual apple tv a24 collaboration if i remember correctly she has one coming out later this year with bill murray and rashida jones and jenny slate so i thought it'd be cool to revisit her movies a little bit in advance of that and like i said i think bling green's great i'm mixed on marie Antoinette but i think they're both worth watching and then you can come listen to us talk about it next week so uh, john yeah on the
1: note of on the note of blingering i was just gonna say i think it's one of those movies that when it came out was a little bit underrated i uh, sorry uh, yeah it was not properly rated because i think a lot of people had expectations for what it was going to be and i think it's been very i watched that a few years ago and i quite enjoyed it did you say Um, a few years ago a few few weeks ago
0: you broke up for a second
1: i think a few it was a couple years ago it wasn't that recently but i remember quite i remember having a very like oh this isn't gonna be good and then i quite enjoyed it and i think with people like sofia coppola it's really interesting what people want from the movies versus
0: what they actually get before we sign off john do you have anything you want to plug personally any twitter letterbox anything like that
1: um i can plug both my twitter and my letterbox which are j l and then my last name police p-u-l-i-c-e um try and keep those updated so yeah say hi
0: As usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast Gmail is RewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Twitter is RewindMoviePod. I I already mentioned next week we're going to have an episode on Sofia Coppola and a couple of her movies. So thanks again to John for joining me. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.